0: Yo, Real Do to Kill Podcast, back with another episode, man. Um, before, before we start, I just want everybody right now to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. Um, and please write a review, because I, I always get people try to hit me up on comments or text my phone and call me about an episode they heard. No, I want you to, to write the review. But if you're going to call me, write the review 1st Uh going to get that out the way. Um, special guest here, Jonathan Martin. Fox Twenty Six News anchor. Um, I do want to say, man, I appreciate your Instagram post, dog. You've been in the gym. You, I've been you, trying, you know,
1: been trying, man, been trying now, to try get there. You,
0: you, you, you're, you're inspiring me. I ain't going I've been working out since this quarantine happened. And I do want to ask you, how how have you been throughout this whole quarantine?
1: Man, I've been good overall. You know, it's been tough on everybody. But as far as like staying healthy and staying active. I knew when COVID hit, I said, man, I can either fall back or I can propel myself to do more. And so I went the route of just deciding I was going to do more. So I said, look, let me get with the trainer, my good friend, Arrow, uh, who is an amazing trainer. Um, I wanted to stay safe. So we did one-on-one training in a private location. And I've been working out three days a week and just trying to stay with it, man, because, like, these times are tough. And for me, mentally, it's helped me stay active and stay positive and also to have that discipline and just be doing something constantly instead of getting up and saying, what am I going to do today until I got to work? Now I have something to do. I have an appointment with the trainer. And I know that it's not everybody's situation. Everybody can't do that. But that's been what I've been doing, man, just staying at it.
0: Yeah. How How's life been for you overall since this uh, happened? Has it, how drastic has this change been?
1: Well, you know, for me, um, you know, I've been thankful that I've actually still been employed. I've still been working. In fact, I've been doing a little bit more work sometimes because um, I had to do everything from home. So I pretty much have a whole setup here at my house. I have a light, uh, lights, I have a camera, I have um, the live equipment. And so it's pretty much been working from home, which means I've been doing everything on my own, which I've actually enjoyed. I've kind of enjoyed that pause um, away from the running gun, man. But um, it's been hard. Like I think the main thing for me, like I'm real close to my parents and my brothers and everybody's back in Atlanta. And so going four months without seeing them was just really hard. I finally got to see them, you know, just because, you know, you hear about people's parents passing away and people just getting sick. And so it was just hard not being able to be there. But uh, But I've been blessed considering like how a lot of folks are just really going through it right now.
0: Yeah. And does it feel weird not being in the studio though? Like, 'Cause you've been you so used to your whole career being inside the news station, but then yeah, now you gotta anchor from home.
1: Yeah, it's been weird because I don't have all the gadgets, you know, I don't have the fancy lights, I don't have a teleprompter here. So people think that I have a teleprompter at home. Um, but it really causes me to just be more engaged in like what I'm talking about in the stories. I don't get to see my coworkers. Um, I don't get to interact with them. So we do a lot of Zoom calls every day. I think we have like two or three Zoom calls every day. But personally for me, a lot of my coworkers don't like working from home, but I'm loving it, man. I love, I'm just a kind of chill person. I don't need a lot of people. I don't need a lot of stuff. Uh, I do miss some of my coworkers, but for me, I'm just loving the break. I think we all just in life need to like chill, get back to the basics. And for me, that's what this time has allowed me to do.
0: Yeah, and it sucks because this year is uh, no NABJ. I was, going, yeah. I was going, I was going four years strong, well, five actually since 2015. But then uh, we we're supposed to be in DC. That's that kind that kind
1: of sucked this year. Yeah, NABJ for those who don't know, National Association of Black Journalists, and so we have a annual convention where all of us get together, and it's like a big family reunion. I think we all sometimes look forward to that that break from our regular lives, where we can just you know come together, the same. Energy, same profession. Uh, I think they're going to do a virtual conference in July, in August. But uh, I don't think it's going to be the same. And I think this year, with everything that's happened in the news, with Floyd, George Floyd, and COVID, I think everybody was just looking forward to a, a moment to get together with our people. So um, I hate that's not going to happen in person, at least not this year. Yeah, hopefully, in Houston, if it do happen, we know it's going to be it's going to probably be yeah way
0: better now because it's like man, we get to see everybody we want to see. Everybody looking yeah, because we'll be hosting yeah.
1: it next year, Lord exactly.
0: willing. Speaking of Houston, man, how you feel about these spikes, dog? Because it's these look. I'm these spikes are getting out of control. Like why people? Why we just can't sit at home? Why we just can't sit at home? Why people can't just wear a mask? I seen a post today. Somebody was like, "Man, look, we just wear a mask for six weeks. Everybody in in America put on a mask for six weeks
1: straight. Whether you people don't want to do it. Everybody don't think they need to do it. And I think that it's tough because I think there are some people who don't want to wear a mask because. They don't think they need to wear one and they haven't personally been affected by COVID. And I think that's the thing I'm noticing that a lot of my friends, I have a friend who lost his dad. I have another friend who lost her grandmother. I have eight different friends who got sick from COVID-19 themselves. So until it kind of hits you personally, I don't think everybody um, feels the impact and the seriousness of it. Yo, and so it's I, the, yeah.
0: Right. And it's it's like, it's like you have three different types of people. You have one like us it's like look we're gonna stay away we're gonna work from home we're gonna grow our hair out and quarantine find different hobbies around our lives we know this is real you got another section of people that's like uh i'm not i don't know nobody that has it so i'm gonna still live my life but then it's, i'm not i'm gonna take it serious when it hits home but you got the a third side of people is like look this is conspiracy this is not real this is the 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 mask you put it on is going to weaken your immune system. I've seen all types of crazy stuff, Jonathan. It, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's wild. Yeah, it, man. It's, it's there's so many.
1: And you get so many different messages from the leaders. The president says one thing, the governor says another. Our mayor says another thing. Our county judge says you know something else. And I think a lot of people are just kind of at this point not listening. Um, and unfortunately, that's not always uh the best thing. But when you have different messages coming from leaders nationally versus your local leaders a lot of people just take it upon themselves to do what they want to do and that's not always the right thing
0: yeah so yeah for people that 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 subscribe to the podcast that don't live in um texas just talk about the conversations you had overall with with our governor and how he what what his stance is right now
1: and so it's interesting because um you know we're, we're in houston um and obviously you know the biggest city here in texas but Um, Our governor in Austin, uh, you know, he represents the state of Texas. And of course, um, there's been a little bit of like, I guess, pushback overall because the mayor here in Houston wants to pretty much go on a two week pause and say, look, let's shut the city down. Let's chill out. Let's quarantine. But the governor um, does not want to do that. He wants to you know, keep the businesses open. Uh, He just tells people to wear their mask. At first, he said we didn't need a mask mandate. And then he came back later and said, "Okay, we are having a mask mandate. Um, you know, so I think there's just a lot of different messages. And so the governor is saying, yeah, it's bad, but we need to make sure we protect people's jobs and the mayor's saying, let's protect jobs, but let's look at people's lives first. And so, man, it's been crazy because everybody just, uh, man, e- even the governor has gotten some pushback from his own Republican party members, because a lot of people don't feel like he's necessarily handled this thing greatly. Uh, but I get, again, that's politics. That's not my job to decide, yeah. but- It is what it is. It's crazy because it's now for the first time, we have something as the unknown and
0: for the higher up people, money can't get people out of this situation. You know, like there it's starting to people starting to feel a lot of pressure. It's like, look, it's unknown. We don't know what it is, you know, like you could be going to a store the next person next to you might have it. you just you, you just yeah. don't know and it's put a lot of people in the in the in the, in the situations like do I want to open it don't want to close it it's, it's it's a lot of confusion
1: yeah you know, like and then you think about like i'm good like i'm healthy you know I, I don't have any underlying conditions but at the end of the day do i carry it to somebody who might um do i take it home to mom dad grandmother who might not be able to handle it if they get sick. So I think those are questions that a lot of people have. It's just really about how much do I think about myself versus thinking about other people. And a lot of times, to be honest, as Americans, we are a little selfish. You know, I've traveled the world and and I see how a lot of other countries operate and it's just like a group project. Sometimes, uh, you know, you get people who don't want to do their part and there's sometimes everybody does want to work together. And I think as Americans, we're the kind of like, we don't want to do the group project together. As people like to say, we like to just, of look out for our own self yeah and it's kind of crazy because of i think in history um my,
0: me personally i became the type of conspiracy theorist when you got to connect dots it make sense right because okay. you look at america and its history it started off with not believing the media back to 50 60 years ago the jr the jfk situation the the roswell you know what i'm saying the all the stuff that the Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, it's just a lot of things that people question in the media. So it's like, nah, we ain't going to believe what you say all the time. Oh, you think the numbers is a 100,000? Well, I don't think it's that. You know what I'm saying? So people yeah. have to take guess because of, it's like almost instilled in people's brain because of the history of the, the media sometimes, like, exaggerating something or not telling us the whole truth. You know, that's yeah. why you see our numbers still going up, people not wearing masks. But you look at Italy and these other countries, they're going, they... Almost back to regular scheduled programming.
1: Because they, they took it serious from jump. Yeah. Really, we didn't, man. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough to really just watch it. And, and I think it's just, it's hard because you don't know from day to day what's going to happen. You know, we're, it's not getting better per se. I mean, there's sometimes, there's numbers showing that we're kind of going in the right direction. But at least here in Texas, it's, it's still kind of too early to say we've kind of, as they say, flattened the curve. So, n-
0: last, could before I shift years. Your personal opinion, when when do you think everything will be back to somewhat normal? Not completely all the way, but like when do you think it's going to just slow down and decrease in Texas? And I think
1: I think in Texas, based on what I'm hearing from the experts, I'm not an expert, but I think that it'll probably be sometime like early fall, um, end of the summer, going into early fall, when we might really say, okay, we flatten the curve, we can start sort of getting back to normal. I mean, you kind of are seeing New York, they're in their phase four, they're getting back to normal somewhat. A lot of other cities and states are like in that final phase of getting kind of back to normal. Um, the virus is still there, but it's not necessarily affecting uh, everyday life as much. You're not hearing about 10, 12 people dying every day like you're hearing about in Houston. So I'm hopeful that it will be late summer, early fall. I think you're still going to have a lot of people who aren't comfortable sending their kids back to school, uh, who aren't comfortable sending their you know, kids to different camps and stuff yet, but we'll see. Right, right, right.
0: And I want to shift gears to what's been going on as well through when within this pandemic is the Black Lives Matter movement and the George Floyd, you know, this, this in our city. Um, I know you was, you know, covering it pretty heavy. Um, what was your reaction to the, you know, everything that's been happening throughout the last few months with the Black Lives Matter uh, started way back in when, when they happened with George Floyd leading up to now?
1: Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's been really tough. It's been really heavy. And for me as a journalist, you know, as sometimes, you know, we're often taught, um, we're taught in school as journalists to, you know, learn to look at the story and be impartial and not put our opinion in it. But it really is hard to separate something like this when it does affect you as a person. I tell people all the time, you know, I'm a journalist, but I'm also a black man first. And I have to remember that. And so covering these stories, um, it's it's been painful. But I also think it's Opened up a lot of opportunities to say things that maybe you felt that you never felt like you had the um, audacity, or, or or maybe you never felt like you had the, um, you know, right to say. And now I'm finally finding myself like I can say that because that's true and that's how I feel. And and racism, there's no, you know, one right side versus there's a right side versus wrong side. There's not like this is a a matter of politics. And so it's been tough. And I mean. You know, there's days where I just am like, I need a break. I need a break. I don't want to turn on the TV. I don't want to talk about race. Um, there, and there's days I'm like, I want to talk about this. I want to call some friends up and get their opinion because it's 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 like everywhere. So I don't know.
0: Have you ever uh, encountered any experience of yourself personally with race? With
1: racism? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Several of them. And, you know, I talked about one of them uh, recently on another podcast, you know, in college. When I got to Auburn University and I moved in uh, and my roommate, who on the phone when we were about to move in, thought I was a white guy. When he got there, he realized I was a a black dude and he moved out like a day later. Um, So that was racism. I've dealt with some racism uh, in the workplace, not at Fox 26, but in some previous jobs. Um, Just, you know, just some things, mainly, as they say, those microaggressions where people say, oh, you're, you're well-spoken or, or they, you know, you've been followed around in the grocery store or a or high-end store um, based on the way you look or how you're dressed. Um, you know, just kind of those microaggressions or people just sort of assuming things about you based on the color of your skin or feeling like you can't do the job or being passed over for an opportunity because there already was a Black person in the space. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been a lot. And I think in many cases, I didn't realize it was racism until I stepped back and realized, that was a racist moment. In high school, um, there were some things that happened. In college, there were things that happened. And it took me stepping back to say that was racist and I can actually call it racist as opposed to feeling like, oh, well, maybe I, should, maybe I shouldn't play the race card or maybe I shouldn't. I'm now speaking up and speaking out when I see something is wrong.
0: Yeah, and seeing a lot of uh, other races joining, the, <clears throat> excuse me, joining the protests and the march, do you feel like a change is gonna come? Because you have streets painting the black, the BLM on the streets, Black Lives Matter. You're seeing whites joining, you're seeing all races joining the march, and it's not stopping. It's still, even though the media, CNN's or the Fox News' not covering it all the way, there's still protests and marches going on every day. We've seen Trader okay. 2 and Kenny Stills get, you know, getting handcuffs in Kentucky, but eventually got, you know, they they back out free. Yeah. Do you, do you really feel person like, a change is finally coming after all these years. I feel like,
1: uh, you know what? It's hard to say that a change, change is coming, but I do feel like people are waking up. I feel like people are um, no longer feeling like they can get away with certain things that they used to could get away with. I think people are becoming more aware of some of their behavior, things that they have been doing. Uh, like I said, those microaggressions, those uh, sort of snide comments, um, things that they did in the past. I mean, every company, like every major company, Everyone's having to look at themselves and say, "Wow, like we've allowed this for so long, we no longer can accept this." And I really just applaud this generation. It's like current younger generation, if you will, that's under me and and this really saying, "Nah, we're not waiting for y'all to you know have a board meeting to do this. We're not waiting for a petition. We are showing up on your doorstep. We are demanding change." Um and it's interesting how changes happen so quickly. Companies are changing their names and branding and putting black people on their boards, all because of people demanding change immediately, not waiting. And I think that's what's been so that's what I'm seeing now is that people are no longer like waiting for stuff. They're like, nah, change it now, or we're coming after you. And that's just been like inspiring, like just the relentless nature of this this young generation, black, white, everybody coming together.
0: Yeah, and people i seen some people get frustrated and mad when some people was looting, but I don't think people understand when it comes to protests. Looting is part of protesting. That's been going on for years. You know, people yeah. are frustrated. People are mad. I'm not condoning stealing or nothing, but when it comes to people situation, people, people are upset.
1: Mm-hmm. People are upset. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think there are certain people who are what they call agitators who come in and there might be, you know, a lot of, like in, in Atlanta, my hometown that happened, there was, you know, a lot of uh, you know, really organized, somewhat peaceful protests, And then you had a group of people who came in and decided, we're we gonna set fires, we're we gonna start looting. And they kind of were taking away the sort of message or the sort of theme of what the organized protesters were trying to do. But when I th- one thing I tell people is that you can't tell people how to protest. You can't tell people how to be mad. Um, you know, I don't condone violence. I don't condone looting. But at the same time, I'm not telling people what they need to be doing and what they don't need to be doing. Because I feel like everyone's pain is different. Everyone's story is different. And you got to remember that. And I told some of my coworkers that on a recent Zoom call is that, well, you may look at somebody and think, why is this person acting like this? They're crazy. You may not know um, the pain and the trauma they've been through when it comes to their race um, and, and racism in their lives.
0: Yeah. And I think we, we, we've we been seeing it the last couple of months. And last, Chris, before we get out of here, um, let's just take the George Floyd child, for example, because, we had a lot of, you know, police brutality and all these other things, but this one was different. You know what I'm saying? This one was like, all right, pandemic, people's at home, all lies on TV 24 seven. And we seen a man basically get lynched on TV. When the trial happens and the verdict comes out, uh, what was your, how will your, how you think your move would be? Let's say, Guilty or not guilty? How would, would you go into the, cause I have people, I talk to some people and they'd be like, look, I'm gonna go in with just a neutral feeling because we, we've we been through this before. If they say not guilty, I'm not surprised. But if they say guilty, I'm happy.
1: So how would your mood be going into like that day whenever the trial is? I don't, I, you know, I can't say how my mood will be, but I definitely know that people, and I don't think it's just black people. I think people in general want justice for George Floyd. Whatever that is, they want justice for him. I think this is something that was so different and like you said, it was so um, clear. I mean, you know, a lot of times when we have these uh, killings of unarmed black men and women, there's always that reasonable doubt. Well, maybe they shouldn't have had that toy gun or maybe they shouldn't have been running from police or maybe they shouldn't have been doing this. But I think what we saw with George Floyd, this man taking his last breaths, calling for his mom on a video I think it'll be hard for anybody to really say that that wasn't unjust. Even people who normally don't speak out are saying that. So I'll just say, I think in this case, there is a collective feeling like something will happen. There will be some justice, whether that will include those other three officers who weren't actually uh, physical with George Floyd. I don't know what will happen in those cases, but I think with the lead officer, a lot of people feel that um, there will be some type of justice. I don't know what that justice will be and what would be appropriate.
0: And I forgot to ask you. I know you. I know you got get on in thirty minutes on TV, but I would, I forgot to ask you. Was you at the funeral for George Floyd?
1: Yeah, I was able. Um, I was blessed to be invited inside the funeral, just one of a few journalists that they invited in because it was a private funeral. So they invited um, me in there. So I was able to really uh, be there for the service. It was a four-hour service. Um, long service, but it was actually very moving inside, just to like see his family because a lot of times. When stuff gets so publicized like this, you forget, like, this is somebody's family. This is somebody's brother. This is somebody's uncle. And I think being in that service, that is what really it brought me back, to was that George Floyd was somebody's daddy. like, and, and this was like somebody's brother. And so I started thinking about how that affected them beyond just this big kind of icon that a lot of people feel that he is now. He's a regular guy that grew up in Houston's third ward and is now no longer with us. Yeah. And how was the overall
0: like feeling when you walked in, you know, cause sometimes you go to funerals and it's like, you know, we're celebrating a person's life or, you know, it's still sad, but it's like, yeah. feel like a different mood. How was the mood when you, when you
1: walked in there? Well, the mood inside the funeral was, um, it definitely felt like a, you know, a, a black Baptist homegoing celebration. I mean, you had Kathy Taylor and you had, you know, Neo, you had some artists that were like really bringing, um, the energy of like a, a homegoing celebration, as they like to say in a lot of black churches, but it also had that feeling of um, social justice as a theme. Um, you had Al Sharpton speaking out, and you had the mayor, and a lot of people who brought that energy of like, okay, what are we doing from here? So it was almost like part social justice message mixed with a homegoing celebration, mixed with a family homegoing celebration as well because you had his you know nieces and you had his brother and other people speaking out. So I think hearing from George Floyd's brother and niece and people like that really brought it home that at the end of the day, we all know the name George Floyd, but for the rest of their lives, they are no longer with their family member. And I think that's what being inside the funeral really brought me to like, again, this is somebody's family member. That's no longer here. Right. Jonathan Moore, Fox 26 news. Uh, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Good to see you, man. It's uh, yep. like I say you get a lot of hair yep. now. I'm not used to. I'm not used to all the hair, but hey, you know, rocking it, man.
0: Got to gotta keep the quarantine. I told myself. I actually told myself at first. I said I'm gonna give my haircut once basketball season comes. And it's crazy because my birthday's on the fifth of August,
1: and the NBA season starts on the day I'm getting my haircut. So mm. it's perfect. I'm okay. Good. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question before because I, I, since you know, I'm a journalist, I ask a question. What are your thoughts on sports starting back? in the way that they are? Do you think, do you think, you know, we're doing stuff too soon? Do you think that these protocols are in place? Do you think the NFL is doing what they need to do? Or you think we just, uh, overall, I, think- you know, I know it's different from NBA to NFL, but
0: yeah. So, so I think the I think just sports overall, um, it's not a need at the moment, but money's on the line for a lot of these players too, you know, a yeah. lot of, for these people's salaries for the future. Um, it's gonna be weird watching games with no fans. I was just watching the Astros and Royals just not exhibition, and Astros is killing the Royals right now, ten to three. But yeah. it look weird when they hit a home run because there's nobody catching the ball in the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna be weird watching NBA. They're in the bubble, and the, the NBA is doing it right. They ain't got no players mm-hmm. positive so far, so they doing it good. Even though they're in Florida, um, the NFL—that's the sport that's like, all right, you got—you gonna have fifty to sixty players on each team plus coaching staff. So we're talking hundred player. we talking hundred members per team. You can't do no bubble. So if you travel, you're not the players just like, we need a plan. So overall, I just think sports will be it's a it's a relief for us right now. We do want to watch it, but I think they still gotta keep the momentum going with the Black Lives Matter. They still gotta keep yeah. keep it, keep the foot on their neck, you know, keep the foot yeah. on their ass and just and keep the message alive. That's my whole that's my whole thing. If they do it, I'm good.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Let's hope nobody gets sick. I, I think that we just we don't need that, you know. Oh, not at all. I because
0: I, right so far, 93 players of the NFL has been tested positive. Yeah, and it's 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 a lot, but we got to remember too: 32 teams, 50 to yeah. 90 players to start off camp. So yeah. we're talking four to five thousand people out of 93. I mean yeah not a good math position, but
1: yeah yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah in, in the grand scheme of things it's it could be a lot worse so yeah Well, yeah, I'm just curious yeah <laughs> yeah you going you gonna be watching sports this year yeah I will I mean i I mean I'll watch a game or two here and there but like I said it's different it's, diff, it's gonna be a different feel. so we'll see you know I, know it's I, definitely
0: a keep season. Up. I think SEC's on the fence could swack swack uh, is killing off football season mm-hmm. I it's killing off football season. But I think the power sixes is trying to keep yeah, it to a power. lot of A lot of mean that's that's
1: big money for those schools. Like, you know, me, I went to Auburn. So, you know, yeah. uh, <coughs> Auburn and, you know, Alabama and Georgia, like schools like that, football is king. So it, it's almost hard to imagine a school year without football. So my we'll own see.
0: issue with the sports right now, the owners is not speaking up at all about nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. No
0: owners is not they're not speaking up. That's my issue.
1: That's my yeah, issue. That's true. I never thought about that. But yeah, you're hearing players speak up more than the owners.
0: Yeah, yeah, I advise everybody right now to watch uh, OBJ, Cam and entire Gurley interview with Victor Cruz. An hour long, great. You start to see you see the real Cam Newton, the real OBJ. It's 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 very. Yeah. But I appreciate okay. it. Check that out. Yeah, I saw I saw a clip, but I have to check out the whole interview. For sure, but yeah, man, I, I want to get you. I, I don't want to hold you up too long. I hey, man,
1: it. all right, well, good, good stuff, man. I look forward to look forward to uh, catching up with you soon when all this quarantine is over. Oh, we got you for sure. We will, best believe. All right, man. For sure.